Another edition of Beat the Closing Number presented by TheLines.com. My name is Eli Herskovich. My co-host is Mo Nawara. To my right, you can follow him on Twitter at Mo Nawara. I won't bother trying to spell his last name as it should be on the screen. Our guy Jack is back today. And you can follow The Lines on Twitter at TheLinesUS. Breaking down a couple of games. Dodgers at Brewers and Cardinals at Cubs. And before we get started, remember to give the video a thumbs up. And ring the bell to get notifications whenever the Lions releases a new sports betting video on any market, including Moe's day-to-day MLB bets. And also, if you want a chance to win a $25 Amazon gift card, just head over to play.thelines.com for our daily MLB Pick'em contest. But Mo, first and foremost, how did your bets go over the weekend? It was a good weekend. It's been a good run past week or so we've, we've been recovering uh, a <laughs> couple rough beats but also a couple in my favor like when uh, I almost said the Seahawks uh, when Seattle stormed back against uh, Houston on <laughs> I think it was Friday Saturday maybe Saturday I think yeah overall it's been a good run um, been recovering we were right right back down around zero for the season I think maybe a little bit minus actually but uh I think back up around eight units now. In the black, as you would like to say. But let's get into today's games. Starting off with a 7.40 p.m. Eastern Time first pitch. The Dodgers coming off a dramatic win on Sunday night baseball against the Padres. L.A. at 21-14. Milwaukee just snapping a six-game skid at 19-15 still. So pretty good mark. This game priced at a pick on the money line. Total of... Eight and a half, bit of big towards the over. And as I mentioned, the Dodgers were saved by Mookie Betts. Two out home run off of Josh Hader in the top of the ninth. And Milwaukee getting back on the right track in San Francisco yesterday. But the NL Central overall, including Milwaukee Skid, 7-24 and combined record in the last week. Tonight, Tony Gonsolin taking on Freddie Peralta. And Peralta's pitch pretty much... Two expectation, a 3.68 ERA and a 3.61 FIP, 3.70 XERA, while Gonsolin giving up three earned runs in his first couple starts and still hasn't reached peak velocity in those outings. Mo averaging about 91.8 miles per hour on his fastball in those first two starts. So, Dodgers, Brewers, what do you got? Yeah, that was one hell of a dinger by Mookie. Not a bad pitch by Hater at all. That was. That was, that was a fun finish to that game, even though I didn't have any action on it. Um, <laughs> yeah, multiple red flags I'm seeing with Tony Gonsolin here. Um, like you said, the velocity dip is a bit concerning, although not necessarily um, surprising, given that I think he missed basically the whole spring. Uh, so didn't really probably get as ramped up as he was supposed to be. Um, and then I don't know if the ankle injury, I think it was an ankle. I don't know if it's like maybe affecting his mechanics or what, maybe he's still not a hundred percent or maybe he's having a hard time getting his mechanics back just cause he was so rusty, but seems like maybe the command is off Uh zone rate down to 38.6. And he's been like league average in terms of zone rate the last few years, I think just below 50. So right around uh, where most of the league is. So this is a massive dip for him. Um, in some ways, it's kind of working. Like, 
he's getting a ton of chases, so it's not really blowing up on him so far. But I think in this matchup, it's going to be tough to get away with that. The Brewers don't chase at all. They have the fifth lowest um, outside zone swing rate and the seventh highest walk rate. So it looks like a really tough spot for him if he's not going to be finding the zone. Um, He has more walks than strikeouts so far. I just think he's pretty much not himself. Uh, And yeah, like, He's shown the last couple of years he he will outperform his peripherals almost certainly, but instead of his peripherals being at like three point eight ERA estimators, they're at like six. So that's obviously a pretty big dip there. And then also just given how inefficient he's been, I don't think he's going to be able to give them a lot of length. Even though he did work up to eighty pitches last time out, it's still only got him through four innings, I think, or four and two-thirds or something. And then the Dodgers pen behind him, Evan Phillips, I don't think is going to be available. He pitched the last couple days. He's probably the best reliever they have. Caleb Ferguson, I don't know that I'm too impressed with him, but he's been great for them. 1.XX ERA, so he's doing very well for them so far. He also pitched the past couple of days, so I don't know what they're going to have behind him. I don't think it's going to be anything close to their A crew basically is what I'm getting at. I do have this one as wrong team favored. I had the Brewers as the favorite slightly in this one and the market does not. They were minus 105 I think this morning. I believe they're still a minus 105 and I think that's pretty Depending good. On I the would book. bet this up to minus 110. So that's around where most of the market is. So it should still be all right for a play. All right, and on to game number two, and we also have a special guest coming up here momentarily, but first things first, Cardinals at Cubs, and Cardinals are struggling. Cubs took two or three from the Marlins, and somehow that game just went back and forth, and the total went over on Sunday for anybody that had under seven and a half with Sandy Alcantara on the bump for the Marlins, I sincerely apologize. But the Cubs are priced at around minus 135, minus 140, total of seven. A little bit of juice towards the under at some books. Marcus Stroman taking on Miles Michaelis, and Stroman has a 2.18 ERA, but that 9.37 X ERA shows that there may be some potential negative regression looming here and his opponent's bail rate is in the 97th percentile so with that said he's not getting hit hard in terms of home runs or anything of that nature but he isn't missing a ton of bats and then on the flip side Michaelis is not missing many bats either nor keeping the barrel rate down for the opposition and I was looking a little bit more into his stats as well his ground ball percentage is up or actually down nearly 10 percentage points, over 10 percentage points from last season. So obviously a much smaller sample size, but still something to keep in mind for this Cardinals rotation that continues to struggle, to say the least. So Cardinals-Cubs here, second of two games. Mo, what's your bet? Yeah, Michaelis is... He hasn't been doing quite quite as good this year. 1.69 home run per nine, though, and a 377 BABIP. With that card's infield defense, I, I just think that this is probably bad luck. He's actually missing more bats this year, so I still feel like he's fine. Um, 
And yes, Marcus Stroman is a very good pitcher, but most of his ERA estimator is still, still sitting around four. So I, I thought the Cardinals were pretty underpriced last night. I got them plus 132. It's been coming down in a hurry, unfortunately. Uh, was still playable this morning, I think, at plus 120. It's on the border now. It was plus 115, I think. So I don't know that I would go any shorter than that for sure. But uh, I did think the Cardinals were a little bit underpriced here. They are still, I, we've talked, I still believe in this Cardinals lineup. I mean, they went bonkers, I think, against uh, Detroit yesterday, scored like 12 runs, Goldie hit three dingers. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, just given that like these pitchers are pretty close, like I think Stroman's a little bit better, but with the Cardinals, I think having an advantage on offense and then their defense should be right there, if not better than what the Cubs are running out there. I just, I, I can't get the Cubs past minus 115 at most. So I definitely understand why the market was hammering the Cardinals here. Uh, I, I do think the Cubs were too big of favorites, even though I know this is just, people are just going to want to keep baiting the Cardinals. They've been so bad. They, I think they dropped another series to Detroit and, and the Cubs keep playing pretty solid baseball. So, uh, but plus 132 was too long for me. I, I think Michael is going to be fine. And we'll continue to dive into the NL Central. By the way, Cubs have a plus 46 run differential. And that says a lot in terms of what we've been discussing, at least over the last week, if not two, that the Cubs may be undervalued for the long term. But we'll get into more of that with our upcoming guest, Dan Zimborski of Fangraphs, going to join us here at D Zimborski on Twitter. He's a senior writer for Fangraphs. Dan, I'm sure if you've had a better week than the National League Central or maybe just a better month on the St. Louis Cardinals, your life must be going pretty okay, right? Yeah, I, I, I look at my life, and my life is pretty chaotic, but I've never signed a player to a five-year contract and then changed his position a month into year one. Uh, I think that's a little bit like signing up for a gym membership, going once, and then paying for a second gym membership. <laughs> yeah, John Mozalik, shout out to you and your decision-making. <laughs> but on that note, like you mentioned, Wilson Contreras getting the brunt of the blame for a lot of these Cardinals pitching woes and St. Louis below average in pitching war, starting pitching war, that is. And there were reports over the weekend that Contreras off of that five-year, 80-plus million-dollar contract would be headed for an outfield DH role as opposed to the catcher duties that St. Louis signed him to. Now he's supposedly just going to serve as the DH with Kisner getting most the brunt of the catching role for St. Louis. And Pittsburgh has a half-game lead in the NL Central, and the Cardinals were favored going into the regular season to win the division. But Milwaukee still priced as the favorites as of now to win the NL Central right around minus 140. And you could price shop over at thelines.com along with chatting about your bets in our Discord channel. The Cubs now have the second shortest odds. At plus 400, Pittsburgh plus 450. St. Louis, which had the second shortest odds as of last week, now plus 550 and plus 205 actually to make the postseason. So, Dan, if you were to make one bet today on a team to win this division, which one would it be for? I actually like the Cardinals at this point, not because I'm a huge Cardinal fan of how they've been run this season, but I think there's 
the tendency to be a little too negative about them. The division hasn't run away from them as much as it could have been given their record. And I think they are a fundamentally better team than this. Uh, I mean, they, they could literally be, you know, 12, 13 games back given how they've played. And they're a little bit fortunate because the, the team at the top, Pittsburgh, is probably the most likely to fall short. Uh, the Brewers do have some injury concerns, which kind of puts me across betting for the Brewers at, at, at that at, at, at those odds because they really need to have their, their full starting rotation back. I, I, that's still really up in the air. It's like, Oh, they might Brandon Woodruff might be back in July. That's a lot to pin your hopes on for uh, <laughs> what's about a 40% implied uh, probability. So I think the Cardinals just given how low they've gone. Uh, I, I still like them in that way. Yeah. And like I mentioned, you can get St. Louis at plus two Oh five just to make the playoffs. But Within the context of this division, I know Mo mentions fan graphs, playoff percentages all the time. And St. Louis, Dan, I don't know if you have this offhand or Mo, if you do, but what are the percentages per fan graphs for the Cardinals to win the division? Uh, I actually do have that in front of me. And uh, right now, uh, the Cardinals are 13% to win the division, uh, 20% to make the playoffs. Uh, I, I think possibly our division's a little low on them. Uh, What's interesting to me is I think that if you're going to bet one of them, I would take the division over the playoffs. Right. Uh, when I when I run in zips, uh, only about 0.55 uh, wild cards on average come from the NL Central. There's I think there's too large a spread between their divisional probability and their playoff probability when you talk about the current odds. Uh, so if you feel like they're going to be good, I, I would lean towards betting them to win a division. Uh, really, any team can win that division except the Reds, who won't. <laughs> right. I saw you have them on a projected pace. So you were talking about for, for them to make the playoffs, they would need to, I think, finish the regular season with a winning percentage of around .597 or something of that. Yeah, it was, an, it was a pretty uh, vigorous pace. Uh, but generally speaking, they that's for the wild card. I didn't actually do the division with that. Uh, and Zips actually has the NL Sanctuary winner getting fewer wins than the wild card about 45% of the time, uh, which is worth, which is worth looking at. Yeah. No, no shocker there. The Good NL Central along with the AL Central, two of, if not the two worst divisions in baseball on a year by year basis. But on that note, want to switch over to the American League, Dan and on the flip side of the Cardinals, massive struggles so far. Tampa Bay, 21 games over 500 with a plus 115 run differential, which is the best by far in Major League Baseball. And as short as plus 700 to win the World Series. But the Rays have the Orioles, Yankees, Mets, Brewers, Blue Jays, Dodgers, Cubs, Red Sox, and Twins all on deck in their upcoming series. So not saying that the the Rays are about to fall off or anything of that nature, but just on a game-by-game -game basis, pitching matchup dependent, may there be some value to fade the Rays just on a single game, depending on the matchup over these, what, next, if I do my quick math here, eight to nine series? I, I think there is... Uh, a belief or the reason to believe that they are overpriced in that way, because you look at their, at their uh, 
games this year. They've only had two series all season against teams that were in the playoffs last year, against the Blue Jays and the Astros, unless I forgot someone. Oh, the Yankees right now, so three series. Uh, obviously, they're not a going to win you know, 80% of their games when, when we talk about the, the final end of the season. And they are a little thin right now just because of some of their pitching injuries. So I think that there, there is the opportunity if you pounce kind of on the right time, the right matchup, you can kind of, you know, do well with the Rays. But I, I, I think they're a little overrated right now. And I hate to say that because it's fun to see them, the plucky underdogs. Yeah, keeping things in the AL East, um, I recall <laughs> reading your preview of the Red Sox, you know, you present your projections basically as the projections are, you know, not necessarily injecting a ton of your opinion, but you always do kind of, I can get some vibes that how you feel about a team usually. And I, I definitely felt like you were a little bit uh, lower than the computers on Boston, um, but they've been crushing it so far up to 19 and 14. I think they've just won like nine of 10 or something. Uh, they had a low win total. Still, the computer is saying they should probably finish last or close in the AL East. But uh, is that how you felt about Boston? And and have you changed your opinion at all? I was down on the Red Sox, uh, but there were limits to how down I was. I think that there were a lot of people that were very down on the Red Sox, probably more than was warranted. You sometimes saw people talk about Boston like they were the Nationals or the or the Rockies, and that really wasn't the case. They do have talent on that team. Yeah, they they've lost. You know, Xander Bogarts is a massive loss, uh, but I was I was pretty pretty optimistic. Both me and the projections on Yoshida coming into the season. Uh, Zips had them uh, at seventy seven wins and just under four percent to win the division. Uh, almost one in five to make the playoffs going into the season, uh, which I think was actually better than um, most people probably would have given them at the start of the season. I don't have the preseason Red Sox odds in front of me. Uh, I, I, as I said, I, I think people were a little over negative about them. Uh, it's kind of that curse of a 500 team uh, that 500 teams can surprise you. Uh, teams that win 60 games do not surprise you. Uh, so I, I, I do think, that you, you don't want to be super bullish on the Red Sox, but it's a good value play depending on exactly what odds you're getting. Yeah, I, I thought the Red Sox were a little underrated as well, but I just couldn't bring myself to make any wagers on uh, anything positive with them. I just felt like the downside was was really there. Last year, I uh, uh, Zips was very down on the Tigers, and I said, oh, I, I'm a little more positive on the Tigers than the projections are. They... They have a young pitching staff. They do have some offensive upside. Turns out they had no offensive upside. Their young <laughs> pitchers were all injured. Uh, and I kind of had to apologize to the computer because the computer was telling me I was an idiot. So that's life sometimes. Yeah, speaking of a team that the, the computer was a little bit down on, actually, I think the all the projections seemed like they were a little bit down on the Astros compared to the market. The market loved the Astros coming into the season. One of the highest win totals, very big uh, favorites to win their division. <clears throat> I was more in agreement with the projections for sure. I was a little bit uh, down on the Astros as well. And so far that looks good. You know, that, that division looks, I mean, it's basically like a four way, practically dead heat. Um, everybody, but the A's right in there. So um, with the Astros in fourth place, but the market still liking them as favored over the field, um, 
how do the computers, uh, your projections feel about that? And, and what do you think about that? Zips, at least, uh, since it's the projections that I run, uh, was was never huge on the Astros coming into the season. It just saw a lot of downside. I tend to think people get too over-exuberant about teams that won a ton of games the year before uh, because there's this kind of tendency I've noticed among among fans uh, to consider last year's win total as a baseline. So you had a lot of people who were very upset that the Astros and Dodgers projections were so relatively low in their view because they start with with the Astros winning 106 games last year and say, well, how could we have lost 15 games worth of players this year? It's like, but you were going to lose some of those games anyway, even with the same players. When you win 106 games, you more likely were in an optimistic result than a pessimistic one. A 106-win team is more likely a 99-win team that was fortunate, not a 112-win team that was unfortunate. Uh, so I, I do think that there was a risk in the Astros. Uh, their offense has been reliant on fewer and fewer players every year, which does make them vulnerable in the, in the case of injury because, you know, it's hard to replace Carlos Correa and George Springer, and the, they've, they've really bled talent there. Uh, and Jose Abreu was a, looked like an okay addition, not someone who was going to really make up for some of their loss. <laughs> uh, I still think they're the favorite to win a division, but they're not a massive favorite and that's kind of when you look at the at the probability and say oh that's a little too high uh i i personally like the rangers better when you look at the current odds okay texas is plus 400 to win the al west i believe as high as plus 600 or so over the last week now with that said i'm curious about your perspective on jacob Degrom, who no shock to anybody that has followed baseball over the last five to 10 years, but he's on the IL again. So what do you make of DeGrom? And I mean, his, he was a contender. He was one of the favorites to win AL Cy Young entering the season. Now we'll touch on the American league Cy Young race in just a moment, but why are you so high on Texas? And I'm assuming it's because you think DeGrom will be back sooner or later. And by the way, just in terms of the rest of the market for the AL West, like Mo said, Astro is still the favorite. As high as minus 186, now as low as even money over at DraftKings, the Angels at plus 500 and Seattle at plus 600, all four teams within three and a half games. Back to Texas, what makes you so high on the Rangers? Well, one thing to remember when you're talking about the projections for the Rangers coming into the season is that Zips, when it simulated the season, uh, it assumed a distribution of possible inning totals around Jacob DeGrom's projection, but Zips was only projecting 85 innings from Jacob DeGrom, and the projections, were, that was what was baked in. It wasn't assuming he was going to throw 180 innings. Uh, so the fact that he's missing time doesn't necessarily make the projection worse unless all of a sudden needs Tommy John surgery or something. But there was kind of already built in that expectation that he would miss, miss some time. It's just that his upside when he's healthy is so high that he's one of the few players who can really make a difference. I suspect that what gives the Rangers a little better likelihood than maybe their bottom line roster says right now is I really have a feeling that if the Rangers are close and in the playoff hunt in July, that is a team that is going to be aggressive. Uh, you look at their behavior in their rebuild, very suddenly bringing in Corey Sieber, Marcus Simeon, uh, bringing in Jacob deGrom. They're a team that really, really wants to compete, and I think they're going to be aggressive to do it. And they do have the ability to absorb uh, contracts that 
for for players that might become available that would otherwise not be interesting to say the Rays because there's a significant dollar figure attached to it. So I think the Rangers do have that kind of upside play both with the Grom and with an aggressive July that I think it gives their just moves their probabilities a little in that good direction for them. And you mentioned Seager. He's been out since April yeah. 11th, but Duran for the Rangers has played very well in his place for the time being may have himself a spot on the roster and in the lineup. I'm not sure where, but considering how well he's hit the ball, you have to think so in some fashion, but back to the AL Cy Young betting market and the odds in general, Garrett Cole, still the favorite at plus 290. We touched on Tampa Bay earlier. They came back on the Yankees and Garrett Cole, a surprising result considering the Yankees had a six, nothing lead with Cole on the mound in the fifth, I believe. Now, if you look a little bit further down on the odds board, Joe Ryan, which I think he was as high as 100 to 1. That's at least where I bet it at the closing number before the season began. Now, he's still as high as 50 to 1 at one shop, as low as 25 to 1 at other sports books. Ryan has a 2.45 ERA and a chase rate in the 98th percentile per baseball. Savant, and he's also tied for the eighth highest pitching war among starting pitchers with the Dodgers, Dustin May. So any gray is teammate. This makes it tough when you think about candidates in any market, whether it be, for instance, Mike Trout and Shohei Otani in past years. Sony Gray has pitched very well for the Twins, too, and he leads all starters in pitching war this season. He's 25 to 1, I believe, is consensus price to win AL Cy Young as of Monday's recording. So, Ryan, what chance do you give him to win this award, especially when you consider that he is competing with another teammate? Granted, Ryan maybe has a higher ceiling, but it still kind of limits his ceiling in a sense with how well Gray has pitched thus far. I ran uh, the award projections back on Friday, uh, luckily, so it's in front of me, and Zips actually gives him a 3.3% chance at winning the Cy Young, which is which would seem almost preposterous when you're coming into the season. So there are odds there in which he is a good value. Uh, I tend to think uh, that Luis Castillo is also a good value. Uh, I, 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 um, right now, he's at plus 12 to 1,200, one, I, I think. Yeah. Pardon? 12 to 1, I was, I was going to say oh, for okay. you, yeah. Uh, I, I like that as a value bet. I'm not as big on the coal simply because I I picked him in our in our staff picks uh, to win the Cy Young before the season. Uh, and Zips gave him like a 23 percent chance. And at, at the start of the season, he was going for like plus 600, plus 650. And I think that was a good bet. But when you're talking, you know, under plus 300 and we're talking right now, it's 275. I, I'm not really a fan of that. I'm not that confident. He's not he's not totally torching the league. Uh and there's enough viable candidates that, that he's not lapping that, that that number is a little scary to me. Just real quick following up on that, when a pitcher makes a big offseason change like Joe Ryan did when he added the splitter and really is, is having it working like this, um <clears throat> how quickly does the computer update uh you know, it's opinion in that, in that sense, like how, how quickly does the projection adjust and, or do you have to like go in there and make changes uh, and, and add stuff like that? Uh, there's actually uh, two answers to that. The basic in-season projection model is fair, is, is simpler and sometimes won't catch up on these things as quickly. Uh, 
because just from a practical standpoint, we need to have the, the numbers run every morning. And to do a batch run of all 3,500 Zips projections takes about about 22 hours for my computer to do. So I literally have to be running that 24-7 and being always a day late on, on the projections. Uh, so when I use the the full model that I use season to season, Zips likes Joe Ryan better than the kind of the generic in-season projections. Uh, now, the good the good part about him is when you look at his profile, it's not just that he's pitching well, it's that a lot of his numbers have have improved. Like you look at his out of zone swing percentage, players are chasing his 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 pitches a lot more than they were last year. Having a new pitch obviously does help and I, I, when, when it comes down to it, the, those numbers stabilize very quickly compared to, say, a player's home runs allowed per nine innings or something. Uh, I like these ability-based stats simply because they're meaningful in smaller sample sizes. Yeah, we were excited about Ryan, and I've, I've been excited about Ryan since last year, so hoping for Eli. Uh, he still keeps coming through like this. Uh, but... Swapping things over to uh, the NL again, we were looking at some of the the rookies in the NL. It's been kind of a top-heavy uh, uh, group so far with kind of Corbin Carroll and, and James Outman really pacing everybody. Um, so how do you feel about that crop of rookies? And then do you think there's any chance that, like, you know, some of the newer call-ups like Matt Mervis will have a shot to catch them? Uh, or do you see more like those two guys to continue pacing the field. I know like Corbin Carroll was such a highly rated prospect and he's really been uh, coming through on his pedigree so far. Yeah, I do have Carroll projected to lead rookie uh, in the national league in war. Uh, he was zips has been big on him for a while. Uh, when, when I ran the zips top 100 prospects coming into the season, he edged out uh, Gunnar Henderson, uh, which was the opposite of our prospect team. Uh, and so I'm I'm actually going to be in favor of the of the top ranked prospect that Zip's doing well because everybody likes looking smart rather than looking dumb, <laughs> uh, and you know the computer has had some weird choices uh, when it comes to prospects, just just like anyone working with prospects. But I think Carroll is a very well rounded player. I think he's more well rounded than Outman. Uh, Outman had a brutal defensive play uh, yesterday, I believe it was. Uh, he's someone who doesn't have the same kind of pedigree, the same skill set. I, I think Carroll is, I wouldn't say an easy favorite uh, to to lead the NL rookies in war, but uh, he, he's playing well. He does have the playing time. Uh, Mervis, I don't think, is the same level of prospect, and he's coming in a month into the season, and that does count when you're talking numbers. Uh, I think he'd be good for the Cubs, and I think it's a they should have started the season with him at, at first instead of playing around with, with Hosmer and Mancini. But I, 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 I do like him to a degree. Last question here for you, Dan. And when we think about your involvement in the betting market, like we touched on pretty much all podcast when it comes to projections, when did you find yourself blending over into betting odds for baseball when it came to your projections or just your interest level overall. I'm sure you've seen the the rise with legal sports betting across the country and obviously maybe betters following suit with that and heading over into your DMs, sliding into your DMs. But 
I guess two-part question there. When did you find yourself getting interest from readers and, and viewers on Fangraph's content, but also for yourself? Generally speaking, uh, in the late 2000s, we talked 2007, 2008, uh, that's when a lot of people really got to the point where they were starting to look at Zips. Uh, the model was more robust at this at that point. Uh, I started Zips in 2002, and it was much simpler. Uh, I would not even be able to run the current iteration of Zips on my computer that I had at the time. I was running that on an old Pentium 4. And if a projection takes about a minute on what is a much more up-to-date computer, I, I, I wonder if I could even run it, period, on the old computer. I should probably try that. It's actually still on my network, so I, I, could, I could test that. Uh, I got into it a little more uh, when I started working for ESPN in 2010 uh, because they do like to have some betting content. And we did a little feature every year where I give eight bets and I'd bet $200 on each of them. Uh, and I got I got good value from them. I got the, the Christian Yelich MVP. I got uh, the Justin. I'm not the was it. No, no. Max Scherzer, the Max Scherzer, that first Cy Young uh, award. Uh, I, I did very well there. I got him at. At I think twenty-two to one at the start of the season, which which was pretty nice. Um, so I like to I like Zips as a tool, and I like people being able to use it for different things. So I've I've long consulted with Zips, and I give the data out there, and I I try to. You were you guys were talking about when I separate my opinion from what the projections say. I think Zips is most useful because I do that. Uh, people will know what the computer is saying, not some mystery blend of what the computer is saying and what Dan is saying. Cause then it gets hard to see like, Hey, what, what, what part of this projection is you and what part is the data? Uh, so I tend to hope that zips is a useful tool for people in many different contexts. That is Dan Zimborski. You could follow him on Twitter at D Zimborski last name spelled S Z Y M B O R S K I. I think for the first time, Dan, You've outdone me when it comes to a tough last name. Then again, I have Mo's last name to pronounce and say on the podcast. Then again, pronunciation really is the problem, just more so on the spelling front. But Dad joined us in Log and Lakeby last names. That's why, of course, we had about a log <laughs> with his expertise in the baseball field, senior writer for Fangraphs, and does it very well. Again, follow him on Twitter at Dzimborski for all of his Cardinals takes. Dan, I think every guest we've had on the podcast this year has backed us up for better or worse, finding value at the Cardinals. And considering <laughs> this is probably the worst point in terms of them having a shot at value in the market or the most value, I should say, when it comes to their betting odds, whether it be playoffs or NL Central, this is probably the best point in time to really get into a full-length discussion. So we appreciate you talking about the Cardinals' woes and just baseball in general. Thanks so much for joining us on the podcast. Well, thanks for having me and spelling my ridiculous last name with all the letters that sound like you're putting a prank on people when you read it out. Why, <laughs> M-B? These go together? It helps to have your last name in front of me. Unfortunately, <laughs> I haven't when I've tried to say Mo's last name out loud but that's going to do it for this edition of beat the closing number you could find the lines on twitter at the lines us you can follow mo on twitter at mo noir you can follow me on twitter at eli herskovich we'll be back tomorrow with a betting video of mo's baseball bets for tuesday thanks so much for watching and listening so long everybody